Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 238 of Dogcast Radio. Do visit our website, dogcastradio.com, and our socials for even more canine content. Coming up, we have an interview with author Fiona Gibson, talking about her book, The Dog Share, and about having her dog Jack with her while writing the book. You can get very in your head when you're writing a book, very, yes. quite insular, and, you know, you can feel like you're going a bit crazy, because it's <laughs> this, you're inventing this world all the time, and you've got to make it seem authentic. Yeah. You have to kind of live in it. So, yeah, he makes me get out, get some fresh air, a bit of exercise, you know. Yeah. It's brilliant, actually. More about that coming up. But I spotted a story this week. Yes, you know me too well. Another one of those where I go, ah, I have to talk to this person. Now, the post I saw was actually by the mother of a boy who had gone to the park in Surrey, England, with his friend, and a dog had attached herself to them. Those boys, bless them, listened to the dog and realised she needed help. So the boy phoned his mum, who reassured them there would be an owner around and it was best not to get involved. But the boys insisted. So the mum, bless her, took them and the dog to the vet. And the vet, bless them, scanned the microchip. And it turned out the dog had been stolen in Scotland and was actually about 450 miles from home. We'll talk about this some more, but first, here's the dog's owner, Iona McGregor, to tell the story from her point of view. Me and my family, we were on a short break away, not far from home, for, it was meant to be a week, but we had to cut it short, because we got a call on the 15th of July saying that two kennels had been broken into, using a bar from our shed, they broke both padlocks. Hmm. Um, and they moved CCTV cameras, and two of the coffers had been stolen. Wow, yeah. Two other dogs managed to run away from them. Oh, yeah. yeah. How run? No, I mean, the, the thing is, when when people take a dog, they're not just taking a thing that you can, you know, pop down to the shops and get another one. They're taking a member of the family, aren't they? Yeah, I, oh, I don't understand how people can do it, how they can be involved in it. It's just absolutely sickening, to be honest. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, um, yeah. I honestly, I would not wish it on anyone else. It's just like stress we've gone through is just horrific yeah yeah awful awful so you get this nightmare phone call saying that you know you your kennels have been broken into dogs are missing and you go home i got home and because obviously we live in the farm mm. so i could not i could not tell you a time when no one will be at the property it's always busy we have chickens out there and i Lost. 
to celebrate about this story I'm so glad for the dogs and for you that the dogs came home because I mean it so often it doesn't pan out like that and I read stories every day of heartbroken owners and it's awful I love so much about this story though that first of all that the two boys were in the park and your dog sort of attached to them you know maybe used to children or maybe just you know saw them them as, as nice people I mean we 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 have found that dogs attach themselves to us when we're out on walks or we've had dogs even turn up at the house like you know hello help me I'm lost and I think maybe dogs have a sixth sense that you know these people will help me and I love that but the the boys didn't just go well we'll play with this dog at the park and then we'll forget about it and go home they kind of well they listened to what the dog was trying to tell them didn't they they knew that dog needed help yeah so I've been on phone to the mum so the boys and obviously naturally she's on the phone to them going you know boys it's fine the owner won't be far which is completely natural to do and they said no no the dog looks like it's asking for help it's yeah. help yeah and they're like okay you know we'll go and see if it's got a ship um, and she's extremely lovely nature yeah um, and she was petrified of the road they would they noticed she was scared of the road they thought that was really weird and that turns out like 455 miles away yeah yeah petrified of everything wow you see again i love that instinct as well because Mm -hmm. i can quite imagine how some children would have said mum mum we found this dog can we keep it you know and i again i read stories every day of dogs that have gone missing with a microchip the microchip isn't scanned and they are away from home for years and sometimes they die never reunited with the owner so this is lovely the fact that they went and scanned that microchip well had that microchip scanned is so wonderful isn't it and it just goes to show how important microchips are and i'm so grateful that is like in the law now that you have to have your dog microchip yeah um i mean i'm one of the very very few sadly to see that has a happy ending yeah. So there's still that springer called Trigger from up north near me. Yeah. Um, she had two springers stolen a week before me. One was found in creep and this other one is still missing. Oh. But, so I'm going to have to try and push with that and help her out. But the amount of dogs that are stolen is just absolutely disgusting. It's horrible. Absolutely yeah. horrible. Yeah, it is. It is. We, I, th- I mean... <sighs> There's so much we need to have done. We need to have mandatory microchip scanning because dogs can be out there. They can go to see the vet and their microchip doesn't get scanned for years. That's wrong. We need proper punishments for dog theft. There's so much that needs to, to be done. But I'm, as you say, I'm so glad that your dog, your dogs came home because a lot of people don't get that and then go on to sort of look for that dog for the rest of what they assume is its life. Um, yeah. And it's just heartbreaking. So it's wonderful to hear your story. Also, um, the horrible thing is, that it's complete reality, is that these bees, they are so, they're so horrible to the point that they are known to cut microchips out, <gasps> then that is, you know, then the dog is classed as blocked, you know, yeah. it's just classed as straight. Yeah. Also, the fact that the law, the law states that dogs are, stolen dogs are classed as property. Yeah. So it would be the same if you had something taken from your car or something like that. Yeah. It's yeah. an animal, it should be, it should be classed as an animal welfare issue. The fact that if they are to be in place they need to be more the yeah. law needs to change and Definitely. the punishment needs to be incredibly harsh yeah and um, the fact that these people think they can get off of it and there's multiple multiple people involved it's not yeah. just a 
it's an organised crime. Um, yeah, and, and I, I just like you, I get incensed about this. You know, this is it's it's horrific. I mean, and you have that experience of of worrying about your dogs and not knowing what's going to happen to them. Are they being treated nicely? Have they got onto a road and been run? I mean, it must. It's a nightmare yeah. scenario. Everything must go through your mind, mustn't it? It's just you know, me and a couple other people we were sharing on groups down there Facebook. It just shows the power of social media. Yes. really, really has been incredible. The amount of shares and possible sightings have just been insane that's a great point though if you see a lost dog on you know a post about a lost dog on any social media share it because that share might be the one that gets them home mightn't it yeah so i mean i'm going to be completely honest whenever you know it's normal to see lost dogs stolen dogs on facebook and you look at it and go oh that's miles away i'm not going to share that that's england i'm not going to share it just goes to show these dogs travel and the way they're doing it very very secretive so anytime now when I see a lost dog, so and dog post, 100% I'm going to share it, whether it's 10 miles away, 100 miles away, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, thank you for sharing your story. As I say, there's so much to celebrate. They got Your dogs got back to you. You've got your dogs back. Those boys were wonderful. Their mum was wonderful. I just love this story. So, but, but yeah, let's get all get together and share every lost dog post we see and get those yeah. dogs back home. And let's get mandatory oh. microchipping. Yeah, and also if people did the correct check with buying a puppy, with buying an adult dog or you know, boring or whatever, getting hold of an adult dog, um, if they did the correct check, yeah. there would be none or hardly any dogs getting stolen because there'd be no use to them. They're getting yeah. stolen for breathing or selling on. Yes, um, yeah. And it's just, it's, people need to just, you know, you know, I've asked myself so many Facebook groups, Absolutely. It's so easy for these people to get hold of information. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've known for years it's it's a minefield when you go and buy. I am pro breeder, by the way. I, I am pro rescue as well. But we've known for years it's a minefield when you go and buy a dog. You've got to do your research. You've got to know yeah. that that breeder is is responsible and doing all the, the health tests. Equally, it's a minefield these days. If you are selling dogs, even if you're doing everything right, yeah. you can still be ripped off and your dogs can be stolen. It's the law needs to yeah. catch up with the reality, doesn't it? It does, you know. It's like you just need to Google like the basic checklist and when buying a puppy, you know, view the bit, Absolutely. Because, I mean, they, we love them so much and they, they bring so much to our lives. They're, they're treasure, aren't they? They're precious. Yeah. They, like, they mean the absolute world. Okay, you know, people read that and go, oh, she left, she left for a week and had her dogs in kennels. But they didn't know the fact that these dogs are actually house dogs. We were away for a week. You know, we had not even a week, actually. Yeah. And um, so people checking them at certain times of the day, random times of the day, they were walked normal times and you're fed and you know they work here for yeah yes yeah yeah the thing is 
if if you'd left them in the kennels, you know, I mean, a boarding kennels, they would have been in a kennel all day. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and pets probably less than what we were getting pets at ours, you know? Yeah. 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 Also, the amount of hoax calls I've had oh. from people saying, I've, they've got my dog, what they're going to do to my dog. Oh. Like, the threats that I've, I've had. Like, the fact that those people think they can do that. I don't understand how they find that funny. I never will understand how they find that funny. No, uh, no. No. That's some appalling. People, some people are just absolutely Yeah. You just have to think, how little must they have in their lives? You know, you're lucky yeah. that you have your dogs, you have a full life, you have people that yeah. love you and have, have, have helped you. How little do those trolls actually have in their lives? And they think, oh, I've got a spare tenant, I'll just give this person a comment. Yeah. I don't understand it. No. Long, no. They're, they're just, they're just yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the, the more, you know, the more I see of people, the more, more we need to remember in everything we're doing, just be kind, whether it's training your dog, dealing yeah. with people online or in real life or whatever. Just be kind. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 100%. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Iona, thank you so much for your time and thanks for sharing your story and the best of luck with, with your dogs. Thanks so much. I'm so happy for Iona and her dogs and there's so much to celebrate in that story. The boys listening to the dog, the mum listening to her son and his friend, the technology of microchipping which works if we use it. And we've had it highlighted so many times recently that what we're really missing in the UK is mandatory scanning of microchips. And also the power of social media. The internet comes in for a lot of criticism, but any tool is only as good or bad as the hands which wield it. The internet empowers us to mobilise to get together and shine a light on the issues that need to be exposed and the people and dogs who need our support. So next time you see a lost dog post, wherever it's from, give it a share, because you never know. With a click of a keyboard or a phone, we've got power. Let's use it for good. And let's send a message to anyone who even thinks about stealing a dog. We're coming for you, and there's a lot of us. According to the British Kennel Club, nearly 200 dogs a month are stolen in the UK. And the American Kennel Club estimates 2 million dog thefts a year in the USA. Fiona Gibson has been a writer for a long time. Her latest book is called The Dog Share. It not only features a dog, but it was written with Fiona's own dog lying right beside her. I asked her first of all to tell me about her dog. Well, we've got a collie cross called Jack. Um, I was nagged for years and years by my daughter particularly um, to get a dog. And I kept saying no because I was a little bit nervous of them. I didn't know any dogs well. I didn't really grow up with dogs or anything like that. So, but finally, I mean, I've I've worked from home for 25 years. I've been freelance all that time. One night, and we lived in the country in Scotland, and me and my husband had a chat and said, why what reason have we not to get one because Erin would absolutely love one so much and we kind of just decided over a bottle of wine to go up to Dogs Trust and have a look and see who was there yeah and we went up and the dogs were all really ferocious unfortunately really you know really troubled and not they were like no there's nothing for your family so we went to a bigger Dogs Trust in Glasgow and we chose Jack so I was browned down but 
I don't know. I just suddenly thought it would be quite nice. I think the kids had got to an age where I wasn't completely ragged with children. You know, Erin was probably about 10, 11. Her brothers were 14, two brothers. Um, And I just felt like maybe because they were growing up a bit as well. You know, I kind of wanted some little to care for. So, So we got him and it's, it's been the best thing we've ever done. It's just, yeah. I, I'm probably the closest to him out of all the oh. family. He's with me all the time. You know, he's yeah. never really ever alone. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, it was. It was. I was ground down into submission. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then it turns out to be a wonderful thing, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I must admit, yeah. I I was the child always going, "Mum, can I have a dog? Dad, can I have a dog?" You know, and, and yeah. it didn't happen. And so I've always been absolutely obsessed and wanted a dog, you know, dreadfully. Yeah. And so I waited. My daughter was seven, and and I don't know you. The, we were moving at the time, or we were. We, our house was up for sale, and you kind of think we can't yet. We can't yet. And I just sort of thought, I can't live the rest of my life without a dog. I yeah. just it, that has to start now you know I can't wait and wait and so we got yeah. a buddy and it, I, it was brilliant actually it was getting buddy that opened this career for me and, and writing and podcasting so um mm-hmm. thank you buddy um and he had 15 and a half years with us so he was he was lovely oh wow well that's a really good age isn't it yes yeah especially that's- from Labrador Wow, amazing. Well, Jack is now, he was a stray, so he was hmm. handed into the rescue centre. He'd, he'd obviously had a family because he was ba- he had basic training done. Oh. You know, he was good with, you know, the loo and all that stuff. And he had base, he could uh, follow basic commands, but he was incredibly nervous and would bark oh. at everything, was mm-hmm. very, very, quite highly strung. But he settled over the first year. He just really settled. And now he's old. We think he's probably about 12 I think he was between one and two when we got him. So it's that period, isn't it, when a lot of dogs are actually abandoned because they're not cute little puppies anymore and they start needing some work and they're not quite as easy. And I think Jack had perhaps been a bit of a handful, you know. He's not aggressive or anything, but just he's frightened. He was frightened of other dogs, very, very frightened. Yeah, But he's he's turned into a brilliant dog. Yeah, that's the thing. Isn't it? If you just, I'm, I was thinking that that's such an important message to get out because, particularly with people having adopted dogs during lockdown, and maybe mm. it's their first dog, and they're they're getting yeah. to that stage now where the dogs, oh, not a puppy, and beginning to have ideas of their own, and and it's beginning to get difficult. And I think there's a there's a a huge problem waiting to happen. But the important thing is, if you just hang in there, you mm. get a good dog trainer, get a behaviorist, whatever get through yeah. it love the dog and you will get to the dog that you want won't you yes yeah it did it just took patience it took yeah. us all being quite consistent with us five yes. of us in the family a lot of affection being sort yeah. of gentle with him and he just I mean we didn't really do training as such we kind of were just very kind to him and he just started to trust us yeah I mean he used to flinch when a, a light was switched on and he was oh. terrified of the the floor brush terrified of the sight of it yeah you know so I think it I don't think he'd had a very happy start in life at all um mm. so it was understandable but yeah. he was we were in the country with him for uh five years and then we moved to Glasgow to the city to a flat mm. thought how will he manage but he's been fine yeah. he's been absolutely great yeah Excellent. you know he he, it's great for me because he makes me get away from the screen he forces me out 
and it yeah. gives a bit of shape to the day. You know, the walks yeah. are great. You can plod around the streets or the park thinking about all the plot problems and the problems I'm having with the book. And it starts to unravel when I'm out with him. Yes. You know. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So, and of course, writing can be quite a solitary, well, a very solitary yeah. um, career because you, you're you on your own. It's just you and the keyboard. And I mean, you're, in a way, you're not on your own because you always have the characters walking around your head. Um, but it can be quite solitary. You're actually <laughs> in terms yeah. of keyboard, you're there. It's not, it's just you and the keyboard. So to have a dog there, it's just mm-hmm. lovely. It does connect you with the world again and sort of keep you sane in a way it does it it definitely does it's comforting having that presence without yes. he's not going to start asking for things or in, not in so many words anyway he yeah. does of course do ask for things but you know he's not going to interrupt my thoughts with speech all he's going to do is sort of shuffle around on the bed a little bit um you know because I was um, you know I've been writing in bed which is such a bad habit but it's quite cosy and Jack's at my side all the time. Yeah. Um, you can get very in your head when you're writing a book, very yes. quite insular. And, you know, you can feel like you're going a bit crazy because it's <laughs> this, you're inventing this world all the time and you've got to make it seem authentic. Yeah. You have to kind of live in it. Um, so, yeah, he makes me get out, get some fresh air, a bit of exercise, you know. Yeah. It's brilliant, actually. Excellent, excellent. If you can't take to your do- take to your bed during a, a pandemic, mm-hmm. when can you? You know. <laughs> so I think that's that's okay. So having a dog in your life is is brilliant. We we know that. And then I do find that dogs inspire whatever your particular creativity is, whether it's writing or music or art, whatever it is, it inspires you. So tell me about the inspiration behind the book because there's a dog in the book, isn't there? Yeah, there is. The dog share started because, um, well, we signed up to borrowmydoggy.com mm. because Jack's quite active. And I think I was, we had newly moved to Glasgow and I thought he's been off lead all the time in the country, huge long walks across the golf course and out in the wilds. Maybe city life might be a bit too constricting for him. So I joined Borrow My Doggy where people can walk your dog and they can, you know, they're checked and everything and they can come and take your dog out. And I thought it'd be good for him for extra walks. Yes. As I walk him every day. But then we got to know people through this, regular people. We got friendly with people. Um, and I started thinking it could be a story where the dog is central to lots of people's lives, but one dog and the lives can all cross over. But it, it became too complicated. It was too tangled. It, it didn't quite gel with me. But I'd, I'd fixated on the dog being the central, like, kind of hub of the book. Yes. And then I decided I would instead have a stray dog um, who my character um, is on a Scottish island in a little cottage trying to sort out a big mess of a business and the dog comes to her door and he sort of represents things getting better for her and a bit of hope. Yeah. Um, and then somebody else on the island falls in love with the dog who is a stray. So it was it was the idea of a dog bringing people together, which I think they do anyway. Yes, definitely. definitely. So, I mean, people talk about dogs. Don't If you see someone in the park and you've got dogs, you talk to the other person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, when you walk your dog, you can hardly avoid falling into conversation with other dog walkers. No. <laughs> No, not at all. Yeah. So, and, you know, a friend of mine said the dog is like the glue that holds her family together. You know, when you've got like adolescents or teenagers, the dog is the one 
is the one thing that everybody loves and is the sort of communal thing, isn't he? He's like every, everyone is interested in the dog and cares for the dog. So yeah. it's like common ground for everybody when you think your family's all getting a bit splintered because you're in the teenage years. Yes. Yeah. I interviewed somebody recently and um, she said her eldest child has gone to boarding school, but met, uh, FaceTimed every night to see the dog, <laughs> not to oh, see them, yeah. to see the dog. <laughs> My daughter's living in Paris and she likes to see the dog on FaceTime. She really yeah. misses him. Oh, bless. <laughs> so, so the, the book, yeah, the book came about, it was, I just wanted to write a dog book. Yeah. You know, I'd not, I'd not I'd done one before years ago but my writing had come on and changed and developed so I thought it's time to give a dog book a go yeah yeah it's it's interesting because um my daughter is obsessed with Dalmatians at the moment she's a grown-up she's 25 and but she's obsessed with Dalmatians and she's just reread 101 Dalmatians Dodie Smith's you know the original Dodie Smith's book yeah and um and and one of the things she said was you can tell this isn't just a writer thinking I'm going to stick a dog in the book this is a, a dog lover. And if you wait, as you read it, you can tell a lot yeah. of the descriptions and the, the, um, the esteem, you know, the regard they're held in, in this book, you can tell yeah. it's, it's a genuine um, dog lover and it does make a difference, I think, but the way you describe them, you know, I think, I think so. I don't think I could do it if I didn't have one, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. I don't think I, I could have, I've had dogs as peripheral characters, but, but not as the focus of the book. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier because you get all that detail from life that you can use. I use loads and loads of detail, little bits that have happened, you know, um, character traits and whatever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Lovely. You know, I I think if I didn't have a dog, I'd struggle to write a book where the dog was the main focus of the plot because I wouldn't know the little details. I mean, you can ask people and you can research, but it's not the same as experiencing it yourself. The little things that you wouldn't think about if you didn't have a dog, you know, like the way, I don't know, the way a dog sniffs around a room when you go in a new house, like, like inspecting the room, you know, things like that. I love to put in these details in because they're just things I see, you know, I think, I think when I write, it feels a lot more authentic if I can draw on all the little details of my everyday life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you found, because again, I work from home and, you know, lockdown, obviously it did bring changes, but I I was used to working from home. And so obviously we socialised less and we shopped less, <laughs> but, you know, ultimately my working life didn't change that much. Um, so did you find during lockdown that you had more time or less time or, you know, how did that affect you? Um, when when lockdown started a year ago, I was I was well into write, the writing of the dog share and I found it really difficult for a while. I just felt mm. I couldn't really concentrate. I felt a bit freaked out and a bit kind of like, you know, things hadn't changed because I had worked at home for like 20 odd years, but my daughter was back home from uni. Um, my husband was working from home. Life had just sort of changed. You know, we had this huge thing to deal with. And then I kind of settled into it. And actually, it kind of helps. I'd, I haven't really, have I got more time? In some ways, yes, because I'm not doing stuff like going to the gym, meeting friends, going shopping and all that. So life is very basic now. Yes. It's work, cook the meal, watch a bit of TV, walk the dog. Um, but then the house is quite full. So it's been quite busy. Yeah. Um, so 
I think I'm more focused, actually. So, th- so this book, I'm writing and finishing another book just now, which I've got to hand in in a couple of weeks. I think I've been more focused than I normally am because yeah. I was filling my life with so much peripheral stuff, which actually isn't necessary. And you realise that yes. when you're in lockdown, don't you? Yes. That all the racing around we used to do maybe was not all necessary and actually I'd love to get back to life and of course I'd love to see friends and things I'm looking forward to it but I think I'm going to simplify things a bit and I know I can get my head down and write if I really put my mind to it you know in lockdown so slam my headphones on shut the door and stop blaming people for interrupting me you know because it can be done so I think I'm going to you know, I've learned some quite good lessons. Yeah. I can write a lot in a day. So, yes. So, actually, the last few months have been fine for writing, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I am really busy, but I'm, I just do a big long day from about eight in the morning through till about five, you know, right, 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 apart from the odd dog walk. Um, and it feels quite satisfying. Yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit unbalanced. There's not a lot of fun, I must say. <laughs> Work-life balance. But, you know, it's finite. The book will be finished in a couple of weeks. You know, hopefully lockdown will finish and we can all sort of, you know, run out into the sunshine. (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) it feels a bit unbalanced, but I'm determined to make the most of this time to get this book finished. Yeah. And then have a little break and enjoy, you know, the world opening up again. Yeah, definitely. So is there a dog in this book or not? Uh, there are dogs actually. Yeah. There's a few. There's a few peripheral dogs, but I've got a m- bit more of a cat presence this time. Oh, wow. which yeah. I know nothing. Actually, I do know nothing about cats. So luckily, my boyfriend, my son's girlfriend, is here and is a bit of, and has cats. So she, I've been grilling her about their behaviour and what they do and stuff. Yeah, it's not a massive part of the story, but I thought it would be nice mm. rather than putting another dog in. Yeah, yeah. there's always dogs around in the books, you know. Yeah. There's always the odd little dog in the background. Oh, <laughs> excellent, excellent. And what what reaction have you got from readers so far? It's been really good, actually. Mm. Um, it's been really, really positive. People have, I've, I quite liked writing the setting. It's set on a Hebridean island called mm-hmm. Skadanzi, which is fictitious. But I, actually, because I was in lockdown, it was lovely to transport myself away to it in my mind. I yeah. planned a research trip to the Hebrides, but I couldn't go because of oh. lockdown. Mm. But it was nice to feel somewhere else, to feel that like was in a different place. And people have really liked that, the Scottish aspects, the island, the remoteness of it, lighthouse, beaches, a little whiskey distillery. I loved writing all that, actually. Yeah. Um, so people have really liked that. Um, so... The reviews have been good, um, which sometimes can make me freak out a bit as I'm writing another book. I think, will they like this one as much <laughs> as the last one? <laughs> but no, it's, been, it's been really lovely, actually. I think it was a little bit of a slightly different book for me. It was just, there was a different setting. My books can be quite sort of home, domestic, family relationships, hmm. and I play it for humour a lot. And this one was perhaps a bit more atmospheric, I think. It, yeah. Accidentally, I didn't really set out to do that, but that's what happened. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And now, do you have an idea for the next book or do you do you wait for inspiration? How, how do you do that? They usually start with just an area that I want to write about. So two books ago, 
I I was at the stage where the kids were starting to leave home. Mm. So I really wanted to write a book about being an empty nester with the kids, one of the kids pinging back home and ruining the fun when the mum had a new boyfriend and stuff. So I thought that's, there's a lot of potential for humour with that. So they usually start with a theme like empty nester and then this one obviously had the dog theme. They've always got something, um, just a, a vague theme. The one I'm writing now is about dating at 50, online dating. Hmm. I thought a dating book could be really fun, like yeah. being a grown-up and being out there again. And then the one after that, I've got a very tiny idea, but it's not right yet. I haven't got yeah. that gut feeling that it's the right book yet. Yeah, excellent. And how? what's your process for getting that? Do you just think about it or do you talk about it to people or do you put it on a whiteboard? What do you do? What I usually do is look back at about the last five and I think, right, okay, that in that book she was left by her husband and it was about starting a new life. In this one it was about single woman meeting blah, 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 dating. So I try and get something that's different for yes. one thing. So is it a single woman looking, trying to find something with herself or dealing with growing older or, you know, and that's my starting point. So I'm not kind of going over the same ground because readers would mind probably, and I would probably mind, I would feel I was writing the same book again. So um, it's, it's finding territory that is different enough from the most recent books. Yes. That's my starting point. Yeah. yeah. Um, which sounds really, really vague. So for the one, I'm thinking one day I'd quite like to write something about somebody who falls in love with a guy who's got lots of kids, but she doesn't have any of her own. That would be new for me. Yeah. My characters have been mothers. So that would be potentially quite a rich sort of scene for jokes and, yeah. you know, scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So, so the ideas aren't really hard. And what I, I'll normally mull it over for a couple of weeks and then talk to my editor and see what she thinks. Yeah. And, we, and then she asked me to do a detailed synopsis of it, which my book always veers off wildly. It's nothing <laughs> ever like the synopsis. Oh. It just completely scoots off down another direction. Yeah. Isn't that funny? So do you, do you plan a lot or does it sort of come to you? How, um, how do you do that? Not, not, not nearly enough I think I have but I just don't because when you start writing you get ideas as you write so things do kind of veer off um I never know what the ending is going to be um Mm. I don't plan enough so I end up in a bit of a soupy swamp in the middle a bit stuck and a bit panic stricken that I can't (laughs) pull it off I don't know what's going to happen there are too many threads too many things to tie up and I I think I've ruined it. You know, I, I think I've broken the book always. But then I get over that sort of hump and things start. You've just got to keep your nerve, I think. Yes. I think you've just yeah. got to trust that the ideas will come. Yeah. And that if they don't, if you know you're trying to force something and it's not authentic, it's not going to work because the readers will know. My editor will certainly know. <laughs> yeah. Pull me up on it. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a sort of evolving. It's a bit like shaping a pot on a potter's wheel. It's mm. it's sort of I, I like that though. It keeps it interesting. Yes. Yeah. And it keeps definitely. it exciting and fun, but it is a bit nerve wracking. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. So, so they call the people a plotter or a pantser, like seat of your pants. And I'm definitely a pantser. <laughs> well, I've not heard that before. A plotter or a pantser. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I think it's very true because you, you, when I, I. When I write, I 
plan. I really plan in great detail. And I like to think all the permutations and, you know, um, consequences of actions and put it all, you know, and, I, and then when I sit down to write, I've got pages of plan. But so, yeah, I think you, it's definitely you, you fall into one category or the other. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, but I think I don't plot enough. I'm very impatient to start and I throw myself in and I do get myself into a down cul-de-sacs and stuck and, and lost and, and, you know, in a terrible state. So I am thinking I probably should try and force myself to write more of a plan, Where? a bit of a skeleton for it. I think I'm going to try that next time. But I've said this every time for about the last <laughs> 10 books. I'm going to really plan. Oh, but you see, I think you learn a lot about your characters by seeing them in different situations and, and going down those cul-de-sacs and then going, oh, no, actually, I'm going to pull it back. But you've learned something yeah. about the yeah, character, you, you know, that's useful. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Nothing's wasted. I don't think anything's ever wasted, you know. And then as you get into the book, you think this character isn't really what I thought she would be. So you have to go back and sort of um, now you've got to know the person after working together for sort of five months. You know what their character's like now. Yeah. So it's, it's a messy process. I'm sure there are people that have their plan and start at chapter one and write calmly through to chapter 40 and <laughs> never break a sweat. But I will never be like that. Yeah, yeah. It's always well, a big old wrestling match. Yeah, but that's that's where the 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 genius, if you like, comes in. The the writing genius comes in in that in that um, melee. So I like that. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it makes it spontaneous, I think, and yeah. it's surprise. And that's where the best ideas come. Out. They just pop into your head one day. So then the whole book has to be altered to accommodate that great idea. Yeah. yeah. So it's messy. <laughs> good for you and while you're writing what does Jack tend to do while you're actually writing he's well he's quite an old boy so he sleeps a lot you know old yeah. dogs are like they just snooze in the house a lot so he'll curl up and and have a sleep next to me literally pressed against my leg Aww. so he's very very affectionate um so yeah that's that's kind of it he'll lie on the bed with me all day if allowed <laughs> yeah yeah our Labrador loved Anybody who would just sit down and settle down and stay there because so much of life is I'm going here, I'm going there, I'm going to do this. And you don't sit down for long enough from a dog's point of view. And so he no. loved it, you know, I, although he was, he was very, very um, um, sensitive. And if you weren't well, he would be there with you even more than, than ever. But he would, I think he would quite enjoy the aspect of you're not moving very much today. You're not going anywhere. Oh, I'm right. staying here with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Jack is the sort of dog that will lie next to you, pressed against your leg. He's not a dog that needs a lot of personal space and takes himself off. Yeah. He wants to be right at you all the time. Oh, it's nice. It's, yes. Oh, yeah. I honestly, I forget he's there, you know, I do forget. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bless him. He sounds lovely. Just a big old warm cushion. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. But you have to go through the mad years to get to that bit, don't you? No, you do. You do. But it's dead worth it. It really is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It all sounds wonderful. I really enjoyed finding out about your process and the book um, and and Jack. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to say? Um. People do often ask about um, the sort of writing process and how to sort of start writing fiction. And I think the, the thing to remember is, especially during all the lockdown we've been through and everything, a lot of people have said, oh, I wish I'd written a book. I should have. This was my opportunity to start writing a book. And I think the best kind of advice, if anybody wanted writing advice at all, is to basically just kind of relax and let your own voice come out. Um, my first few books 
didn't do great, to be honest, because I thought I had to be a serious writer and I couldn't just write jokey things like I wrote for magazines. I had to be grown up and intelligent, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I only really found, I only found my sort of voice and my style when a friend said to me, why don't you just write like you'd write for magazines? Mm. You know, your books sound like, feel like they've got a big sigh over them, she said. Oh. And I was a bit like, oh, okay. Oh. But she was absolutely right. And the when I started to really love writing, is it was writing about home life, families, dogs, you know, and having fun with it. So yes. that's that made the biggest, biggest difference, actually. Yeah. Is to just be yourself, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So if anybody wanted that little <laughs> that little piece of writing advice. Oh, I think that's brilliant advice though, because this is this isn't writing this particular um example, but I did a little bit of stand-up and one of the other guys, we, there were the six of us who got together for a festival and, and we'd never done stand-up before and we did some stand-up. And one of the other guys, Dave, just looked to me as if he owned the stage and he went out there and he, you know, he that was where he should be. And I used to think, oh gosh, I wish I could do what Dave can do. I wish I can do what Dave could do. But I had a very different style and we had very different material. And it kind of taught me, well, you can't be Dave. So just yeah. be the best you you can be. And absolutely find your voice. Be the best you you can be. Yeah, I think. exactly. And you can push it. You can push the humour to a ridiculous degree. And if it's completely ludicrous or I've written a scene that my editor thinks is totally unbelievable or a bit disgusting or something, she will tell me. Yes. So yeah. It can be reined back, but I don't think you – it's not helpful to rein yourself back as you're writing. Yes. Yeah, You know, I think there's lots of people who are going to rein you back when the book gets edited over and over and over till you actually never want to look at the thing again oh. you know but the the initial first draft I think just you know you can really have fun with it and let go a bit yeah I've got a sticker on my desk um which says it's only a book and it's a reminder <laughs> to, to myself to lighten up and stop angsting so much yeah oh I like that I like it but then but then again a, a good editor is marvelous I mean worth awaiting gold but isn't it an act of faith to even to show the editor that first version, that sort of really raw, that's a look inside your head in some ways and go, there you go, have a look inside my head, see what you think. (laughs) It's really, I mean, after all these years, I've written about 16 books. It's still really scary submitting it. I have to just go, it's the best I can, it can be for now. And I know it's not perfect because it will come back with reams to be done. It always does. Pages and pages of notes. And I read them and I have to lie down and hyperventilate. But that's just part of the process. Um, So now I I have to just tell myself it's the best it can be right now. Send it off and go for a walk and forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Have a large drink. (laughs) Yeah. There's a saying, isn't there? Don't get it right. Get it written. You know, and then you can. That is a a really, I've never heard that. I might put that on a post-it note as well. (laughs) Yes, don't get it right, get it written and just sort of get That's something there and then you can work on it later. Yeah. And it takes you, you know, because you can sit there going, oh, I don't know. And my, I always ask the angst I can, you know, spend on a name, you well, know, I, I, oh, it's ridiculous. Don't get it, don't get it right, get it written. Yes. Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah, no, I think that's I think that is absolutely spot on, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Because you lose the objectivity, you'd stare at a paragraph too long, you drive yourself mad. Yeah. You know, you could rewrite it five hundred times and you're probably just making it worse. Yeah. So just yeah. bash out your first draft and don't really fret about it too much. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been delightful talking to you, finding about all of this. It's been in I really, really enjoyed it. Where can people find out more about you online? Um, I've got a website, which is uh, fionagibson.com. And all my books are on there. Um, the Dog Share is out in, um, it's at the moment on sale in Tesco and Sainsbury's in paperback. And it's on Amazon. And um, yeah, and you can order from independent bookshops as well smashing that's lovely well the best of luck with it and with this the, the next one i hope you hit deadline <laughs> thank you deadlines always loom don't they but yeah brilliant yeah. and and give jack a fuss from me i will do thanks so much julie that was really fun thank you thank you we've got a link to fionagibson.com and the other links fiona mentioned on the dogcast radio site i really enjoyed talking to fiona learning about her creative process and how jack helps with that if your dog inspires you creatively i'd love to hear about it you know where I am. Having your dog with you while working can boost your productivity by making sure you take regular breaks, which actually enable you to focus more effectively. That's about it for this week, except to say that I'm busy recording a new podcast for you called Crufts or Bust. It's a project Buddy and I did over 10 years ago, where we set our sights on getting Buddy to Crufts over the course of a year. One dog one year, one crazy idea. Crufts or bust. So for anyone who's missing Buddy, and I know I am, that should be a treat. I wrote it at the time we were having the adventure, and recording it has stirred up numerous memories, many of them happy, but oh my goodness, I've lost count of the times I've had to stop recording to have a little cry because of the intensity of those memories. He was a dog in a million, and I hope you'll enjoy listening as much as I'm enjoying creating that. So that's coming soon. But for now, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dog cast radio that's all one word dog cast radio by email you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com when contacting us by email if you have the facilities please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file that way we can include them directly in our program we can accept most formats for example wav mp3 all these methods of contacting us can be found on our website which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. How are dog wardens in the UK paid? By the pound.